Hey there. Do you love Kindling Conversation? Make your voice heard and vote for it at the Australian Podcast Awards. Head to kindling.com.au slash vote. But do it soon, because voting closes April 1st. Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Kindling Helpline is all about helping you tweak your family routine to make life a bit easier. It might be your toddler throwing food at the wall. Maybe your baby is waking up every hour and it's just not on. Chris Minogue is a mothercraft nurse with over 30 years of experience helping families to overcome some very specific challenges. You might want to know you also might want to know when something is just normal for your baby, toddler or child. And Chris can also reassure you on this. I just wanted to add that today because often people call um, wondering if something's wrong. And then Chris can say, well, actually, that's just perfectly normal behavior. Yeah, that's right. A lot, a lot is very normal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, we're all in the same same situation in a we lot of are. cases, aren't we? How are you, Chris? I'm really well. All right. Chris has had a lovely weekend. It was yep. her birthday. Happy yep. birthday, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'm Siobhan Hunt. I'm the host of Kindling Conversation. Now, if you have a question for Chris, it's time to give us a call now. That's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. Or you can text on 0437-665-200. Or, of course, you can leave your question below our Facebook video if that's how you're watching this now. First up, we have... Hannah on the phone who has questions about sleep for her eight-month-old. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hello. I'm well, thanks. Happy birthday, Chris. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have an eight-month-old baby boy, um, yep. and he was waking every two hours overnight, and out of desperation one week ago, we did some, one night of controlled crying, yep. which was really effective, and yeah. since then he's been giving us, well, and he's been taking 10 plus solid hours sleep per night. Perfect. Um, however, yes. his day sleeps have kind of gone Fallen apart. a bit pear-shaped, mm. yeah. Um, we also took away his dummy when we did the control crying because yep. we thought that was part of the problem. Yep. Um, can you help me? Because basically he was doing a long, a long day sleep, sometimes with help, you know, going and putting yeah. the dummy back in and sometimes not. But now he's doing 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, so he was sleeping, time. I think what was happening, Hannah, he was sleeping longer in the day because his nights were so disrupted. And now, and now okay. it's obviously much easier to fix the day sleeps off the back of you being more rested at night. So yeah. now we'll have a go at this. He should only need to have two sleeps in the day. Yeah. Um, they're about two and a half to three hours apart. So yep. it doesn't matter whether he goes three hours, if he sleeps well enough. The yep. first sleep, if he only does an hour, so 45 minutes to an hour, I wouldn't worry too much because at nine months, that's all they normally do do. Okay, yep. so sure. we're only going to battle the battles that are worth fighting. So say you put him down by, if he got up at six, you put him down between 8.30 and nine and he slept till about 9.30, 10. The next window would be he would stay awake for about three hours. So yeah. that would put him down somewhere around the 1, 1.30. Now yeah. that sleep needs to be 
the best part of two hours or more to yeah. let him get comfortably to the point of going down at night where he's not overtired. Yeah. So the one that I would be doing the resettling on would be that one, that afternoon yeah. one. So how do you put him to sleep? Um, usually now. I, um, so I've been doing kind of two and a half to three hours. It's yep. usually three hours by the lunchtime feed. Yep. Um, I go into the, his bedroom, read him a few books, um, yep. draw the curtain, put the radio on, put him in his sleeping bag okay. and leave him, leave him awake. Okay. So the radio, is it on um, music or is it on talking? It's music. Just uh, we'd had some advice to have some kind of background sound um, white noise yeah okay is that for a particular reason because i wonder whether that is waking mm. him up like when he gets to 45 yeah. minutes it wakes him up because he's just much more aware so yeah. uh, oh, well, we could take that away yeah or, or soften it sometimes barks but yeah so why don't you try softening it so it's just in the room you can just okay. hear it in the room yeah. and then if his sleep improves then take it away so yeah. do you leave the music on at night no. Okay, so we know we can sleep without that music. Okay. So the only other thing is the stories, are they very long? I'm just trying to eliminate everything from no, overstimulation. Really. So they're just little short, you know, short wooden books. Board books, yeah. yeah. That you flick through fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you put him down awake, you walk away, and nine times out of ten, does he go to sleep? Yes. Okay. However, he's been a little bit crying a little bit more since we took his dummy, dummy away, away since this but I know he can self-settle. So. Okay. Okay. So what I want you to do is give yourself in the afternoon a window of about two to two and a half hours. Yeah. In the last few days, how long has he slept in the afternoon? 45 minutes. Yeah. And then he's very tired. And then he's very tired. And then, and then bedtime gets earlier because yep. he's so he's tired to go to bed. Yeah. Yep. So what I would do is I would start to do this resettling at 45 minutes and I'd do it in a gentle version of the control crying that you did overnight so that okay. it's a familiar feeling to him. So say you let him go for 10 minutes before you had to go into him. In the day, I'd leave him start with about three or four minutes, then increase the time between each moment that you go into him. And when yep. you go into him, don't do an awful lot. So go in and give him reassurance pat, pat, pat for a little bit, time for sleep and out of the room. Yep. Then a couple more minutes, pat, pat, pat. Now, initially in the first three days, it could take you up to an hour to get him to sleep, but then he'll sleep for an hour. And so okay. that's why you have to give yourself more time in the afternoon to get the resettle working. And within three days, the resettling should be much shorter and he's sort of joining that sleep together. Okay. Awesome. All right. Yep. So have a go at it, Hannah. And then yep. if you have any other questions or concerns, please feel free to call us back. Great. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Good luck, Hannah. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue, who is an author and parenting educator. She's had over 30 years' experience for, with everything really from, you know, pre-birth nerves to traveling with your kids yeah. to the shops or to the other side of the world. So if you'd like to ask a qu Chris a question about anything, um, you can give us a call on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772 um, or a comment on Facebook video, which is uh, streaming live now. And we have a question from Kate on Facebook. Hello, Kate. Get rid of our headphones for a moment. Um, just wondering for a newborn how important you feel complete darkness in a room is. We're currently mm -hmm. preparing our baby's room. I'm halfway in my 
pregnancy, pregnancy, through my pregnancy, and we have blinds, but it will be early but will early morning be an issue? The light does come in quite easily. Will we need curtains to completely block out the light? Uh, that's a great question because I think lots of people get very confused on the lighting of the room. And what I would say is during the day, it shouldn't be completely dark. shouldn't be so you walk in there and you go, oh, where's the baby? So <laughs> That makes it change. That happens at night. And then even then you put soft lighting on to do the feeds and the changes. So I think you're asking a really good question, but you may need to soften the room or darken the room a little bit more. And how you would do it is put your blind up and I would check three times a day. So, you know, what sort of light do you have in the morning, around lunchtime and in the afternoon and shut the door and see how dark it gets. Now, it shouldn't be bright light. So, we can see each other really clearly. It should be like a grey light, like a dim grey day that's rainy. It should look like that on the inside. So you might need some curtains to drop down the side of your window because it's where a lot of light gets through, but the blind itself is actually doing the job. So you might have some drop-down curtains. They may not need to pull in, but you certainly don't need a pitch-black room at bringing this, you know, at this stage of bringing a baby home or just generally. I think it should just be grey light, not bright light. All right, Kate. Well, good luck. Hopefully you, well, not hopefully, but you know, yeah. you can always call, call us back. the babies here <laughs> yeah. if you have any questions. Miri emailed during the week. Now you helped Miri when her little boy was quite young. Now ah. he's, uh, apparently he's at the three-nager stage. Oh, right. So Leo is his name. He's three. I'm yep. having problems with him hitting, pinching and biting, mostly his sister Chloe and me. He usually does it when he's frustrated. So mm. if his sister takes a toy or holds it back and won't give it to him or when he's tired, and occasionally when he gets very excited. If this happens when we're at home, I give him some time out. We call it calm down time in his room and explain that hitting, biting, etc. really hurts. I ask Leo how he thinks Chloe feels when he hurts her and how he would feel if she hurt him. Today when we were out, Leo pinched Chloe really hard so I put him in the pram so that he couldn't do it again. Sometimes I will remove a toy that he really likes for a while as punishment too, but I'm not keen to on doing this because it seems a bit unrelated to the behavior. I also talked to him about some gentle things he can do instead of hitting, example, um, patting, kissing, talking when he feels the urge. None of these strategies seem to be working, or at least they work for a while and then Leo will (laughs) revert back to the violent behavior. Do you have any (laughs) advice on how to discourage this? Mimi, I think you're actually doing a lot of the right things. And I think the first thing is that hitting, kicking and biting is really common in the two to three-year-olds. And it comes from lots of different places. It can come from jealousy. It can come from frustration. It can come from, well, you get a good reaction if you bite someone. So there's a real mirror of things. But the way you're reacting is really well. The only thing I would say is, depending on how old he is, is, I wouldn't over talk it a lot because sometimes they're just ignoring you. So I think you've got the right thing. Time out is really important. Saying that biting hurts. Um, It hurts Chloe. It hurts mummy. So you've got all the right idea then, and you're trying to teach empathy and sympathy. How does Chloe feel when you do that? Um, Chloe probably can't tell him how he she feels at the moment so all of that is really good um and I agree doing the consequence of taking a toy away is not going to be relevant unless he was throwing that toy at Chloe or yourself the other backside of it is that you know he does this you know that he's 
tempted to bite or pinch Chloe or yourself. So you've got to use a little bit of distraction and removal. And for a few days, I'd hover quite close near him. When he even vaguely looks like he's going to bite or pinch, I'd try and distract him with a good behavior. So can you bring that book over to mummy and mummy can read that to you? So you're going to hover quite close without being quite annoying, like sit between him and Chloe. Um, you know what he looks like when he's coming to bite you. So <laughs> ah. the other trick, and the most common in this one, is if you pick them up, they bite your shoulder. So sometimes we pick them up from behind and sit them in here and then he can't bite. And it is a very learned behaviour. So you're giving good good behaviour as in consequence to his behaviour. And now what you've got to do is distract him from the behaviour. So you've got to hover a little bit and after a little while he'll just learn um, not to do it. So I think you're doing really well. It doesn't seem to be doing it to people, other people, like at daycare he's not doing it. So this type of behaviour with some distraction usually goes away. And Mary, I've got a bruise on my leg where my son bit me on the weekend. Yeah. He thought they it was very it. funny. <laughs> I Not so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck with that, Mary. You are listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If this is your first time with you, us, every Monday, Chris joins us in a studio to tackle your parenting questions. And, I, and I'm here just to back it up yeah. that all this stuff happens to me too. <laughs> like confirms that it all happens. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Chris has over 30 years experience. Her book is called Bringing Baby Home, which is about the first weeks and months when you bring your baby back home. Um, so if you'd like to ask a question, you can call us now on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. If you're watching us via Facebook, just pop your question below the video streaming now. We have a question from Megan. Uh, Hi, Chris. Just wondering on long road trips with a 14-month-old, we have a four and a half drive hour drive coming up and I'm trying to work out how to keep her amused during this drive. She's Uh, usually okay in the car for short drives, but longer ones tend to get her frustrated and she loses it. This will be the longest trip in the car we've ever done. Ah, four and a half hours is a breeze. You'll be able to do this with your eyes shut. Well, so, hopefully not your eyes shut if you're yeah, driving. Well, not if you're driving, you're right. <laughs> so what you do is a 14-month-old usually will take about a two-hour sleep. So I would try and angle that sleep to be the middle of this drive. So depending on where four and a half hours is, she should be good in the car seat for about an hour. So a four and a half hour drive is now going to take you about five and a half hours to do. So you might be putting her down. Let's say you're putting her down at 12 o'clock for her, for her sleep from 12 till 2. Then you want to angle getting there at about 3. So if I was leaving, so that's to that three and a half, that's three hours of the trip is done with the two-hour sleep and an hour wake up after that. So what I would do is get on the road at about 10.30, drive for about an hour, and then stop somewhere really nice where she can have a run around and have her lunch so that she's not constantly in the car for four and a half hours. So then let her have a little run around. That might take a half an hour to 40 minutes with lunch thrown in there. And then a little play. And so a park would work really well from here. So you sort of have to look at your map and see where you can get off to go to this park. Have a nice little lunch and then a drink and then put her in the car. And then you should be able to get your two hours sleep or your hour and a half sleep that she normally would do in her bed. And that'll be much quieter. And if you're on a M, she might even get longer out of it because you're continuously driving. And then you've only got that last hour of the trip to go. 
And depending on whether you're driving or whether you're going as a couple on this trip and her in the back, you might then just hand her a snack. If it's just you and her, I would pull over, give her a little 10-minute run around with it and let her have a snack, then put her back in the car and she should be okay for the last hour. So a four-and-a-half-hour trip will probably take you five-and-a-half hours to do. Now, I think if you pace it out and think about when she sleeps and think about a little run before she does that, I think you'll be amazed at how well this trip goes. Sounds incredible already. Yeah, no, you can do it. <laughs> Better than I ever did it. So more time. Good luck with that, Megan. Yeah. Next up, we have an email from Aileen who yeah. sent her question into conversation at kindling.com.au, which is another way you can send us your questions throughout the week. She has an eight-month-old. She says, how do I drop the last remain, remaining night feed? My eight-month-old has been on one breastfeed a night for some time, but a few times he's managed to sleep through the night without yeah. a feed at all. So now they think he's ready. How do I go about it? On the nights he did, he doesn't didn't feed. Sorry, he she, the mum watched the monitor when for when he wakes at four a.m. She mm-hmm. waited a few minutes to see if he self settles. Yep. Sometimes he does, but most nights he stands in the cot grizzling and starts to cry if I don't go within a few minutes. Yep. My partner can settle our son easily at night, but not if he wakes for the four a.m. feed. Our son has two naps a day for at least an hour or so, sometimes longer. He has four milk feeds and four meals a day. He breastfeeds well. He also started drinking 100 to 250 ml of water a day, mainly with meals but also in between. Right, four meals a day. So the reason that he might be waking up and you can't resettle him at 4am is actually because he's eating so much in the day. I know this is going to sound weird, but they usually only have three meals and four milk feeds. So my theory is if he's having four milks in the day, sorry, four meals in the day, that he may not be breastfeeding as well as you think he is by the end of the day because he's just literally full. And therefore by four in the morning, he is actually hungry and that's why you can't get him off it. But if um, you reduce one of those meals, so he's having breakfast, lunch and dinner, and he has four breastfeeds during the day, so one around morning, one around mid-morning, one about lunch or afternoon, and then one in the evening, he should eat well and feed well so that that's not the reason that he's waking up. Once you've sort of ticked those boxes, the next thing I do is get your husband to go in and resettle him over three or four days. So starting maybe on a Friday night, so he can do Friday, Saturday, Sunday night before he's maybe back at work and set the um, idea or the goal that we're not feeding anymore overnight. So leaving him for a few minutes, going in, laying him down, patting him, um, reassuring him, leaving, then leaving for a few more minutes to see if he can settle, then going back in and patting him is just a really general way of settling him at this age. But I would be thinking that possibly with four meals in a day, that he may not be breastfeeding as well as he could be, and he may actually be hungry at 4am. If you end up doing a feed at 4am, I'd just do a few minutes on the feed and put him back to bed until you get the day sort of sorted with your, with your milk and your, and your food, and then literally plan a weekend i.e. Easter's coming up very soon. <laughs> oh, yay, what a great way <laughs> to spend And you'll have Easter. four nights <laughs> um, where Dad could go in and settle him. But remember to leave him just a few minutes longer each time just so you give him enough chance to try and self-settle himself. 
good luck with that, Aileen. Yeah. And good luck to your partner yeah. if that's what you end up doing <laughs> over Easter. might need a big Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alcohol. Yeah. Maybe not that time <laughs> of the morning. Um, we have a question now from Carolyn. She says, hi, Chris, my almost three-month-old son, dislikes tummy time, oh. really dislikes tummy time. I try to distract him with toys, music and singing. He cries and cries, so I can't continue. He's very good at holding his head up, but I don't think he realizes just how good he is at it. Oh, that's so cute. I try probably three to four times a day. How can I get him to be more comfortable with it? Okay, Caroline. So lots of babies do this. So I think the first thing is to present the tummy time in different ways. So one would be put him up on your chest and talk and he lifts his head nice and high for you but it doesn't give him that ability to do the stretch and the push so I would do it for really short periods of time and build on it so those water mats do you know what a water mat is so water mat is like a little pillow it's got water in it and when the baby puts pressure on it the little um, floating objects move around underneath him so it catches his interest so maybe something in front of him on the floor might help him out but I do really small incidents like every time you change his nappy on the change table just tip him over let him have a few minutes get let him get grizzly for a minute or two but then over that way and then back again and then do it with each nappy change and then move it to the floor and to play so smaller amounts more frequently will still do the job. And good luck with that. And I'll just mention as well that if you keep having problems with tummy time, there are paediatric physios that can help as well. If you're concerned about anything along those lines, yeah. maybe go to your GP and ask for a recommendation. Um, this is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Chris is here to answer all of your parenting questions. We have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to ask a question, you can call now. The num- number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. And we have a question now from Amy on the phone about her three-year-old daughter. Hi, Amy. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Tell us what's happening with your daughter. Yes, I've got a three-year-old who is not a fan of the wind and has become completely terrified of thunder and storms. Oh, um, so if it's thundering during the day, she's all right as long as she's Can see. next next to me yeah. the whole time and holding yeah. on to me. Yeah. Um, but at night, she gets woken up. By, so last night, for example, she got yeah. woken up by the storm um, and just gets completely hysterical. She's shaking. You, you can't control her shaking. Um, we're, oh, I'm usually really? sort of pretty anti bringing her into our bedroom. Um, so she's never really done that. But that's kind of the only way we can... Sort of calm, her calm, down. calm her back down again. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of tried talking about, you know, made up stories about fairies or, you know, the wind needs to blow the yeah. rain away so we can play. Um, she's not really buying any of those no, <laughs> ideas. She's three. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if, just wondering if it's something she's going to, it's just an age thing that she grows out of. Yeah, and it will be. How do I control it? Um, so, I in think in this term. one, coming from somebody who is scared of thunderstorms probably till the age of 10. Um, I think this is where she needs to get to an age where she can logic out what it is you're saying. So when you when we say the thunder is above the clouds and it's not going to hurt you, she can't logic that out. So the wind is definitely a difficult one because there's lots of wind around. So the thunder is a really common one, thunder, yeah. lightning, all that. You can sort of see how that would work, lots of reassurance. In that case, I would just... Is she in a bed or is she in a cot still? She's in a bed. She's in a I bed. Mean, she doesn't get out of the bed. Yeah, um, so I would just go. She get out, yeah, yeah, I would. I would go and give her comfort in her bed. I just yeah. ride it out and say it's okay and 
that thunder, you know, that, that thunder's not going to hurt her and that mummy's there with you. I just do a lot more reassurance. The wind one, though, is really hard because the wind can come up at any time. And also, if she's outdoors, she can feel the wind and the movement. So I think that one's going to be a lot harder. Um, and I'm not quite sure how you would tackle this, only in that maybe showing her what wind does in a fun way. So maybe getting a little fan and and sort of allowing it to blow on her hands so that she can feel the movement of the air. And then maybe dropping um, like a little bit of confetti there to show her that it's just blowing or blowing bubbles to show her that it's just blowing and that it doesn't hurt her. So that okay. one I think you could do with a tiny little fan, not a big fan, blowing bubbles and showing her that the bubbles are moving away and then maybe just put in her hand there to say, see, nothing happens when the wind blows over. There may be a much more technical way of doing it, but I think if I was a mum sitting at home, that's probably what I would try first is to show her that there's nothing wrong with it. Um, It's a sensation probably because little babies, they don't like, you know, rain, they don't like... um, wind it's probably more a sensation that she can feel that she can't control but I think in this case at the age of three I would give her lots of reassurance okay and sort of almost build it up yeah that's right and as she gets older yeah that's right and as she gets older you'll be able to explain more and as you can explain more I think her powers of reasoning will help her to use resilience to say she's okay yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Good luck with that one. Yeah, good luck. I hope she does better. Yeah. It's, it's hard to watch them be so frightened. Yeah, because they is, really yeah. are frightened. Like, they can't understand why it's happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Great. Thank you right. very much. Good luck, Amy. Bye. Bye. Now, we have time now for just one more question. This is from Amanda. She says, my four-year-old son is having jam sandwiches for breakfast. Is that all right? And is toasted ham and cheese sandwiches all right for dinner? And how can I get my son to eat meat? Example, steak, chops and sausages. I'm worried as his weight is only 19 kilos. Yeah, you need to stop giving him sandwiches. So I know it's a hard, a hard answer. But, and, I mean, an easy answer, but a very difficult thing to do. So it's probably more um, you try something and then you fall back to the defence of giving it to him So because of how many fights do you fight. But in this case, I would just stop doing it. And that's going to be difficult because it's twice a day that you're doing it. So it's once a day that he was having a sandwich. You could sort of see how you could distract him into eating something else. So, okay, we've got this little mountain to, to climb called the sandwich mountain. The actual sandwiches themselves a couple of times a week, I think are perfectly fine and, and within completely normal behavior of a four-year-old. So let's bring the sandwich to lunchtime where you would normally have a sandwich and let's start introducing, you know, a breakfast meal and a dinner meal. And I think at the age of four, the easiest way to do it is for everyone to sit down and do it. And I know that that's a really difficult task to do, but modelling the behaviour you want with a four-year-old is probably the most effective way of getting him to do it. And also by only putting tiny little amounts on the plate. So don't overwhelm him with a big plate of spaghetti bolognese and think he's going to eat it tomorrow. So I would only give him a tiny little bowl with a tiny amount in it. And if he eats that, then I'd be giving him the high five and aren't you good and what would you like next? And if he said a ham sandwich, then, you know, I think I would try and encourage him and say, we can 
can have a ham sandwich tomorrow for lunch or a you know a jam sandwich so I think you have to model this um, I think you have to give lots of plays praise and I think you have to model what you would be eating in the family and I think that's the the way it's going to be to turn the behavior around but it's going to take a little bit of time and good luck with the tantrum that comes with it sorry yeah I was gonna when I read that out I was like do not ask me that question or my daughter eats and there are, pasta <laughs> yeah but pasta you can sneak food into that's not, healthy. Not mine. Yeah, well then. Plain white pasta. Yeah, same answer. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's why Chris is the expert. The more you no give hope. it, the more they fall into the behaviour. So lots of kids have quirky food that they will and won't eat. Um, but I think this one is modelling it would probably be the best way for him to get through it. Good luck, Amanda. Good luck. Now, that's all we've got time for today. So thank you, everyone, for your questions. And remember that Chris has been with us since the beginning. So there aren't many questions she hasn't answered. So if you want to go back and check out any of the episodes, you'll find all of our helpline online at kindling.com.au and, of course, on our podcast, which you can subscribe to. Um, So thank you so much, Chris. Oh, it's been a pleasure, as always. Of course, next Monday is a public holiday. So while we won't be having a scheduled Facebook Live, we will have a special episode of Kindling Helpline with Joe Ryan from Baby Bliss. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have a lovely afternoon. there. Do you love Kindling Conversation? Make your voice heard and vote for it at the Australian Podcast Awards. Head to kindling.com.au slash vote. But do it soon because voting closes April 1st.